Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 11 of Genesis chapter 4. We're going to be reading verse 12. And here the Lord is speaking to Cain. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And I'll stop reading there. Now when we look at the the historical setting and we see that Cain has just killed his brother Abel and God knows this and, and God is coming to Cain and speaking to him. And as we saw in the previous verse, um, the Lord said to him, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And in verse 12, God is uh, pronouncing the curse or the punishment. It's the wrath of God for the sin or against Cain for the sin that he committed. And we wonder um, why God is giving Cain this kind of punishment. It really doesn't seem all that severe form of punishment against Cain for the crime of murder. We, we would expect something much harsher, as God later says in the time after the flood. It says in Genesis 9 and verse 4, But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man. At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And there God is indicating if someone murders then and, and takes man's life by shedding his blood... His blood is to be shed. That is, his life is to be taken. And we know all through the history of Israel and into our modern history that capital punishment, which is the taking of a murderer's life because he has taken life, is according to the law of God. It is God's will. But here in Genesis 4, with Cain, God does not require Cain's blood to be shed. And, uh, no, uh, we understand that, that maybe God hasn't introduced that law as yet, but this would be a good opportunity. God could come and, and say, you have shed man's blood 
and so your blood must be shed, it must be required. But again, that's not what the Lord says. Let me read verse 12. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And here's Cain's response in verse 13. And Cain said unto Jehovah, My punishment is greater than I can bear. And we read that and we think, well, it's not capital punishment. He's not uh, being executed. It's not even spending the rest of his life in prison. It, It doesn't seem that terrible a punishment for the crime of murder or for the crime that a man commits. But, however, once we understand that Cain is actually a figure, he's representing the unsaved within the church and even in the world, just as Esau represents all those that God has not chosen to salvation. So, the way of Cain pictures all those that that attempt to get right with God through their own effort, their own work, and yet were never elect, never um, predestinated to salvation. And and once we understand that, and especially that Cain is figuring those within the church, and in the church, God has his program of times and seasons, uh, wherein the Lord sends rain in order to gather a harvest. First, the first of the first fruits, who is Jesus himself. Then, the first fruits, which identifies with the church age. And finally, the ingathering at the time of the end, when the latter rain was sent forth. The fruitful seasons of God's salvation program. But here, the punishment against Cain is fitting and appropriate and applicable, and it makes perfect sense once we understand that he is standing as a representative in place of the corporate body, of the unsaved within the congregations. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. The word strength, Strong's 3581, is translated as fruits thereof in Job 3139. And I'll read that. Job 31 verse 39. If I have eaten the fruits thereof without money, or have caused the owners thereof to lose their life. So the, the, the word strength can be translated as fruits. Also, this word is found in Leviticus, in Leviticus 26, which is a chapter wherein God is, um, basically speaking to his people, and to those that are obedient, and to those that are disobedient. It says in Leviticus 26, beginning in verse 14, But if ye will not hearken unto me, 
and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant. Then go down to verse 18. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron, and your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. See the word strength in verse 20 of Leviticus chapter 26. When God punishes those that are not keeping all his commandments, that's because they're under the law. They're, they're not under grace. They're, that means they're not elect. And, and, uh, anyone that's under the law must keep the whole law. And if you fail to keep the whole law, even in one point, you're guilty of all. And, and this is the condition that every professed Christian is under. They are saying they're a child of God. They're one of his children. But in heart, it's not true. Therefore, they must keep the law. And, and God comes to visit at the appropriate time, the appointed time, the end of the church age. And he finds that the corporate body has failed to keep his commandments. He pronounces the judgment upon the institution itself, the entire corporate church, which consists of the Catholic and the Protestant, the Independent, the house church, every church in all the world. And God pronounces the judgment and the judgment is its strength will be spent in vain. Your land shall not yield her increase. Neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Now compare that with what is said in Joel 2. Where the Lord is speaking of blessing that occurs within his timetable of proper times and seasons and rains. In Joel 2, beginning in verse 21, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for Jehovah will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in Jehovah your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately or righteously, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month, or as the first, and the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. So this is when the the trees bear their fruit and do yield their strength. Now that's a different Hebrew word for strength, but it carries the same idea that is in our verse uh, in Genesis. It's the idea 
where when you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. It has everything to do with fruit. In other words, God is saying to Cain, no more fruit for you. And and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And there's nothing wrong with that occupation. Adam was commanded to go forth of the Garden of Eden and till the ground. Cain was following in the footsteps of his father, and he was involved as a husbandman. He was involved in harvest and, and gathering fruit, which all of God's people are, which the corporate church was involved in, in the time when the early rain was falling, the the first fruits were being brought in. But now comes the end of days. We have to keep going back to that statement in Genesis 4, verse 3. At the end of days it came to pass. God requires the offering. Abel and Cain present their offering. God rejects Cain and his offering while accepting Abel and his offering. And it's all a result of their spiritual condition, of their heart condition, that that this is done. God makes known. He finally separates the wheat and the tares. He separates the saved and the unsaved. He lets it be known to Cain that you are not accepted nor your offering. And then Cain rises up and slays his brother because his own works were evil, but his brother's righteous. And and now the separation has taken place. It's the time of the end. It's the time when God is no longer using the churches and congregations of the world as messengers, as caretakers for his word. He has abandoned them. He has given them up and over into the hands of Satan. The Holy Spirit of God, God himself, has departed out of the midst of the church. And the punishment, the curse. Remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree? What was the curse? Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever was the curse upon the fig tree, national Israel. And God said to the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, what I have done to the fig tree, thou wilt do and even more. Because not only will you curse a fig tree, but you will say unto this mountain, be cast forth into the sea. And and with that statement, the Lord Jesus was letting it be known at the time of the end, when the scriptures are opened up, when things hidden come to the surface, when God reveals truth to his people, they will then see the end of the church age. They will then pronounce the curse upon spiritual Israel. The the fig tree will be cursed a second time. The corporate church will be punished in the end of the church age, when God, uh, God's judgment begins at the house of God, and the judgment will be no more fruit from henceforth. It will not yield unto thee her strength. 
the same judgment upon Cain mirrors the judgment of God upon the New Testament churches and congregations of the world. You will be fruitless. No more fruit. No more salvation is what it ultimately means within any church found in this world after the point of uh, the judgment beginning at the house of God. It's over with. It's done with. There will be no latter rain for the congregations. Therefore, without rain, you cannot have fruit. You, you cannot produce fruit. And, and of course, without the Holy Spirit, uh, you can preach all you want day and night and be as faithful as you like to the Bible without the Holy Spirit blessing the word to the hearts of men and opening the ears. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God there will be no salvation. And that's where we get to the next part of the verse. It shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Now, we we should not be surprised to learn that the word fugitive, and this word um, is Strong's 5128, And again, I I give the numbers so um, anyone listening can check it out. 5128 in the Hebrew concordance of Strong's. The word fugitive is often translated as wonder. Wonder. Such as, or it's found in Amos chapter 8. In Amos chapter 8, in verse 11... Beginning there, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord Jehovah, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of Jehovah, and they shall wander. That's the word fugitive. 51.28 And they shall be a fugitive from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east, They shall run to and fro to seek the word of Jehovah and shall not find it. You see how God is so brilliant in writing the Bible and putting these things together. He develops a type and a figure in Cain. A Cain of a corporate church that rises up at the end and slays uh, it's better half, it's righteous brother, the elect within. And, and then God pronounces the judgment, no more fruit for you. Uh, th- this is the terrible punishment that you must bear. No more salvation of any kind within the churches and congregations. And then he gives a word. When you till the ground, it will not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. O fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. A wanderer shall you be. A wanderer. You will go from sea to sea. You will wander like a fugitive from sea to the next sea. And what will you be wandering doing? Seeking the word of the Lord. Because there's a famine in the land. 
Not an actual famine, though. Not a physical famine for bread, physical bread, or physical water, but a famine of hearing the word of Jehovah. And and you see how that ties back with the lack of fruit. Because there's no more Holy Spirit in the midst of the church. It is the judgment of God upon the corporate body. God has ended his relationship with Israel, with the New Testament churches and congregations. They will no longer be used of God as shepherds to 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 feed the sheep they'll no longer be used as uh husbandmen or or those involved in the vineyard as we read in Isaiah 5 God will destroy the vineyard at the time of of fruitful seasons for the church has come to a close it's over with no more just as God um cursed the fig tree no more fruit forever. And, and likewise, he did the same thing to the churches of the world. This word is also in Amos chapter 4. In Amos 4, translated as wonder. And I'll begin reading in verse 6. And uh, it says, and, and I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and want of bread. Want is actually um, meaning lack of bread. In all your places, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith Jehovah. And also I have withholden the rain from you. No rain, no latter rain within uh, Judah of old, or within the church, when there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain Upon one city, and what city would that be that God caused the terrain? Jerusalem above. That is, God does send the latter rain outside of the churches, and it blesses the people of the world that are his elect. So they receive the rain because they're part of Jerusalem above. I caused the terrain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. Jerusalem below, or earthly Jerusalem, the corporate church. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. The church receives no rain. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. When we read that there's lack of satisfaction or or no satisfaction, it means no salvation. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith Jehovah. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew, when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased. The palmer worm devoured them. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith Jehovah. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses and have made the stink of your camps to come up Unto your nostrils, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith Jehovah. And, and it continues, but this is language of God's judgment upon the corporate church. Once again, and there, uh, the, there is wandering. Two or three cities wandered unto one city. 
like city to city, like sea to sea, but they're not finding the word of Jehovah. They're not experiencing the blessing of God. So that's consistent. In Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 4, it says, beginning in verse 11, Jehovah hath accomplished his fury, he has poured out his fierce anger, and has kindled a fire in Zion, and it has devoured the foundations thereof, the kings of the earth, and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. And who's the adversary and enemy? Satan. It's as though God's saying the people of the church and the people of the world don't believe that Satan has come into the church and has taken his seat as the man of sin. And then it says in verse 13, For the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her. Does that sound familiar? What was Cain's offense? He slew righteous Abel. He shed his blood. And, and here God is faulting the prophets and the priests because they've done the same thing spiritually. Now, historically, actually, literally, that's true in Israel, but spiritually in the churches, well, we'd also have to uh, grant that there is a, a literal aspect to that also in the New Testament church age, but, but primarily God's focused on the spiritual meaning of this when, when the prophets and priests bring other kinds of gospels, it, in a sense, kills and, and it drives out the people of God from the church. And this has resulted in the shed blood of the just, or the, the righteous blood of Abel all the way to Zacharias. The righteous blood, the innocent blood of God's elect is shed. And then in verse 14, they have wandered, or again, become fugitives, as blind men in the streets, they have polluted themselves with blood, so that men could not touch their garments. They they cried unto them, Depart ye, it is unclean, depart, depart, touch not. When they fled away and wandered, they said among the heathen, They shall no more sojourn there. So once again, the Lord connects false gospels within the church, and his judgment upon them, which um, relates to the end of the church age, when judgment begins at the house of God, to this word wander, to being a fugitive. It's at that point that God is focused in. He He's connecting, he's tying together with the punishment of Cain. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.